Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Praise God. First Samuel chapter number 13. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded for thee. For now would the Lord, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Uh, that's some bad news. He basically said you, you were going to be the whole kit and caboodle. You were going to be it. But because you couldn't stay faithful to my command, I'm going to pass you up. I'm going to find somebody that is after my heart. That phrase, a man after his own heart, was so profound in the nation of Israel that when you jump over to the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 21, if you'll read there with me, it says, And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. Said Israel wanted a king and we gave him a cis man. Everybody talking about their cis this and cis that. Last cis, the only cis I find in the Bible messed up pretty bad. Right, that didn't cost you anything. Amen. Verse 22. And when he had removed him he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And I know those two phrases have stood out to you already. A man after mine own heart a man after mine own heart both the Old Testament and the New Testament so profound is that statement man of the life of King David that in the Acts of the Apostles they had to stop and record this king being a man after God's own heart now, for a little while this morning, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do my level best to, to, to keep it on the shorter side, I want to talk to you about the real measure of a man. The real measure of a man. Uh, I'm going to stay in the Bible. I didn't, I didn't go to CNN or Fox to make sure this was poll approved. I'm just going to stay with the Bible. So if you have confusion as to what a man is, I'm going to clear that up today. Right in the book. 
Amen. To all of our fathers here today, I want to preach to you. To all our men, young men, future fathers, I want to preach to you today. Because we need fathers. And we need men after God's own heart in this generation. You are, men, you are not broken. We need men to rise to the occasion and start leading this nation back to the foot of the cross. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we love you. And we are so thankful and so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege that we have to be in your house again. Lord, I pray today that you would touch my mind and my heart and my understanding. Let me preach, God, I pray with anointing that flows from heaven. Pray that you would not just let me speak from heaven, but that we would be hearers and doers also of your word. Would you strengthen each person in this place today in the name of Jesus? Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. The real measure of a man. I, I need to start out because saying some things, and I'm not saying them because they are of controversy, but I'm saying them because they should not be of controversy. And I want to say it because it is bleeding over into church culture. I want to say, first of all, to our young men, I want all our young men to look at pastors. You're not broke. You're not toxic. And you're not what's wrong with this world. Your sin is what breaks us. But you're not broke because you're a boy or a man. Now, I know the feminist culture has tried to teach us that. And they're doing everything they can to emasculate our boys. But you are not broken because you like to fight and tussle. I had a lady come in and say, my, my, my boy, he, he likes to fight. I said, he's a boy. Let him fight. Let him eat a little bit of dirt. When he falls and scrapes his knee, don't pick him up too quick and kiss his owie. Let him bleed a little bit. And tell him to walk it off. Amen. We're raising a bubble wrap generation. Let these boys be boys. They're not broke. They're not broke because they do this and they pretend uh, to play war with one another. Amen. I, I want to raise up a generation that's not afraid to do that rather than a generation of boys that want to play with Barbie dolls when it comes time to have war when they're older. They're not broke. They're boys. They're boys. I'm not saying it because it's controversial. I'm saying because it shouldn't be controversial. Our boys, our boys are discouraged because our men are discouraged. Our boys feel broken because our men are broken. They've allowed this society to try to push them down and minimize our God-given right and role in this world. We are to be leaders, and it begins in our home. 
Men, when I say you are not broken, then I say our men are broken. The dichotomy of that is you are not broken by nature, meaning how God created you. But we are broken by the way we are allowing the culture to break men to fit into their mold. How many times have I used the example that you can't find a sitcom or, or show, uh, I, I, I guess they still do sitcoms with all the streaming stuff, where the father in the home is not an idiot. The father can't do anything right. He's a bumbling idiot. He's easily manipulated. That's what they want you to be because the world knows if men like that, they can have their way with our children and they're doing it. But we need godly men to rise up and say, no, no, I'm not broke because God made me to be a man. I'm going to take what God has given me and the role that God has given me through Scripture and I'm going to lead my family and I'm going to lead my home. And if I'll do that, we'll lead this nation out of the pit we've dug ourselves into. Amen. i got a lot to say and, 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 and I'm going to bypass a lot of it because I don't want to mis misunderstood as this being a political. It's not a political thing because it's bled into the church. Your masculinity is not toxic. You say, well, what about the men that beat on women? They're dingbats. We've been trying to start a ministry around here, and we'll take volunteers is calling battering the men of battered women. You want to batter a woman? We'll take our turn and batter you. How about that? Big enough to hit a woman? Come hit me. We got a bunch of men in here volunteer for that job. <laughs> Some of you, I can't believe this preacher's saying that. Yet, but he's saying it. He's saying it in California in 2022. Yeah, well, if you, if you don't curb that in them, I'm going to tell you what, we've survived for thousands of years. Thousands of years as God has created the order. And in the last 10, 15 years, we're trying to flip the order. It doesn't work when it doesn't follow God's pattern for how God prescribed. I don't care what they're saying on TBN. I don't care what the TikTok theologian is saying on social media. It only matters what God says. And if we want revival in our homes and we want healthy families, it's going to be men taking the responsibility to lead their home. And let me say this, quit raising boys, dads, and start raising men. Don't raise them to make excuses. Raise them to take responsibility. Can I say that again? Don't raise them to make excuses. Raise them to take responsibility. Because we always want somebody else to take the responsibility. It's inherent in us. I remember my nephew, I got him ready for church years ago to go with me. He was about four years old and uh, five years old. No, it was about four. And I was wearing his little suit and his little tie. And uh, his mom told him, said, don't you go outside and play. But he's a 110% boy. And he went outside, Sister Abra, and he played. Well, out there in that uh, southwest Arkansas, northeast Texas mud, uh, you know what boys do? Boys fall down. And he came back in the house, and he was happy as a pig in mud till he saw the look of horror on my sister's face and my face when he was covered head to toe in that red clay mud. And he stood there, and he started weeping tears, and his response was, Ah! 
the ground hit me. Amen. It's funny, and it is. It's hilarious because it's an innocent reaction of a child. Amen. Not wanting to take their responsibility. We got a whole society of people saying the ground hit me. No, you fail. Everybody's against me. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're just too lazy to take the initiative, so you blame everybody else for the fact you never did anything. Don't raise excuse makers. Raise young men to take responsibility for their own actions. Talking about the real measure of a man. Is this all right? Praise God. You got to, you got to, we, we, we need to tell our young men, there's, there's nothing wrong with how God has created you. That's what they're doing now. They tell, they're pulling these kids aside and saying something's wrong with you. And so you must be trans this or whatever that. I'm going to tell you, if men were taking their rightful place, I guarantee you, there wouldn't be a teacher on planet Earth, especially in this nation, have the guts to pull their little boy or little girl aside and say, I, I think you don't need to tell your parents this, uh, but we're going to start giving you hormone therapy at seven years old. Because if men weren't asleep at the wheel, we wouldn't let this stuff happen. And if men weren't asleep at the wheel, there wouldn't be all the violence we're seeing at our schools. There's an absence of fathers in our nation right now, and it's by design. It's by design. They want, they want you to marry a program rather than marry a spouse. But we need fathers to step up and pull out a ruler and a plumb line and say, this is what God says the real measure of a man is. There couldn't be a greater contrast in the Bible between two men than Saul and David. Both men chosen of God, both men in leadership role, both men serving in succession to one another, around the same time, and when Israel cried out for a king, they wanted a king that looked like a king and talked like a king and walked like a king and carried himself like a king. But they weren't so interested with him having the integrity of a king. They just wanted him to look the part. I see people on social media calling each other king this and, and we're kings and kings that, but I watch the way you treat other people. You're not a king, you're a poser. We need men to be men. And men, it, it, it's not an easy task. It takes discipline and responsibility. Amen. I'm, I'm going to diagnose it, and then we're going to give the solution. We'll, we'll shout and be happy about it. But i got I got to get down where the metal meets the meat right now. Saul was everything Israel thought they needed in a king. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. That meant he was tall. He looked the part. 
He was imposing. When he stepped out on the field of battle, decked out in all his royal regalia, when he stepped out onto the field of battle with his spear longer than everybody else's shield, taller than everybody else's muscles, bigger than everybody else's height, taller than everyone else, all the enemies of Israel just looked at their king and said, look at that guy. We don't want to fight those, those people. Israel was so consumed with the fact they wanted their king to be like the other king. They forgot the most important thing. They forgot to measure the man from the inside and not the outside. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else in the kingdom. And what eventually was his downfall was his head. Because in his head, he thought he was the one that didn't have to obey God. Because the crown was upon his head. He thought he had an exemption. I want to tell you something, men. Listen to me, young men. We are not exempt from serving God. We are not exempt from leadership. Amen. Say, uh, I feel called to leadership. If you're a man, uh, you, you missed that call a long time ago. You were by nature called into leadership. Amen. I, I can probably tell online I'm triggering some people right now. He said, well, what about the women? Will you, you show up at the Mother's Day. This is Father's Day. Amen. We're not doing equal opportunity gender here on Father's Day. We're talking to the men right now. Believe me. Believe me. We feminized enough men uh, that, that, that we need some strong masculine teaching. You're a man, you were called into leadership. You were called to lead your home. You were called to provide for your home. Amen. Is this okay? Am I doing all right? I'm just trying to put this out there. We, 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 we want, see, see here's, here, there's nothing more tragic than a man abdicating his responsibility and throwing it over to a woman. Because what that says is, is I don't got the guts to face the repercussions if I fail. So I think that's a little harsh. Well, let, let's sit down and have a conversation with a guy named Adam and a woman named Eve. Rather than look at her and say, you weren't supposed to do that. He said, give me a bite. You, you, I just don't believe that that was the first time Eve ever saw that fruit. And I don't believe that was the first time she looked at that tree and was tempted. But see, Adam wanted acceptance from his wife rather than to lead. It's just my opinion. This and five bucks will get you a cup of terrible coffee at Starbucks. Because he was so so willing and quickly took a bite of that fruit. He was watching the whole thing unfold, and he didn't say anything. Men, we're watching the enemy ravage our homes, and we're not doing anything about it. We're watching the enemy tear our nation down, and we're not doing anything about it. It's time for men to pull out the measuring tape and say, what has God called me to be?
in this world at this time. Because I'm going to tell you something, the darker this world gets, the more sinful this world gets, the less easy it's going to be to be a man that God's called you to be. Look at Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else. But he wouldn't listen to God. He wouldn't listen to the prophet of God. He wouldn't do what God said. He started out great, but he finished horribly. Why? He ended up, he ended up costing his family a shot at the kingdom because he followed his own measurement besides what God measured as a man. That's why we have a standard system of measurement around the world that no matter where you go, an inch is an inch. And a mile is a mile. An ounce is an ounce and a pound is a pound. Because if an inch is a little shorter in America than it is over in Europe, we're going to have some problems. We've got to measure up to what the Word of God says we have to be because if we measure by any other measurement system, we are going to miss the mark. And Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't want to press to the mark of having a lot of followers on social media. I'm not trying to follow and press to the mark of having a big 401k, but I want to reach the mark of what God has called me to be as a husband, as a father, and as a man. Then when God got done with Saul, he was already looking. And this time he didn't look to the front of the pack to see who was the tallest and who spoke eloquently. And he didn't Seek one that come from a wealthy family. No, when the eyes of God were searching for a king this time, he went to the backside of a desert and he found a little red-headed boy playing a harp, shepherding sheep strumming his harp and singing love songs to God telling him how much he adored him telling him how much he loved him David wasn't the greatest of stature David wasn't the greatest of intellect and the greatest of speech but I'll tell you what David was David was a man who pursued God's heart he pursued God's heart greater than Saul pursued his own ambition his own dreams his own desires and his own popularity David said I don't care about anybody else I'm going to worship God I'm going to serve God I'm going to follow God if it's just me and these old dirty sheep I'm going to that's what God's looking for God's looking for some real men in 2022 that says I don't care if they make fun of me around the water cooler at work I don't care if my family turns against me I'm going to lead my family I'm going to lead my home I don't care if my kids don't even want it. I'm still going to be the measure of a man that God's called me to be in this hour. God said, no, 
No, I'm not looking for the way that you look at them. Amen. And I don't got time to rehearse it. And I'm trying to speed through this. Amen. But the Bible said that when the prophet went to Jesse's house and the sons of Jesse paraded by the prophet, every time that old man lifted up his hand as one son after another came by, he lifted up that horn of oil and he was about to anoint them and God said, nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. And Saul is looking at them saying, are you kidding me, God? Look at the muscles on this one. Look at the jaw on that one. I mean, look at the, uh, the pecs on that guy. That guy got some shoulders. Look at him. Look at the way he holds his head. And listen, look. And God said, nope, not him. Nope, it can't be him. And all of a sudden, when the sick son passes by, amen, the prophet gets discouraged. And he looks at Jesse and he says, don't you got any more sons than this? And Jesse didn't even think enough of David to let him in the house. He said, oh, I got one son, but certainly it's not him. I mean, he's just a little redheaded fella here. All he does is goes out on the, he, he's just a shepherd boy. I mean, he's not, a, surely you want one of these guys. Surely it's gotta be this one over here, not him. I mean, he don't have any, talents. He don't have the abilities of his brethren. And the prophet said, but bring him in. And when David walked in, it wasn't even apparent to the prophet then. And the prophet spoke to the Lord and said, surely it's not him. And the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, I don't see as you see. You look on the outside and you try to determine who's king. But I'm looking at what's on the inside. Let me challenge you men. I don't care how nice your truck is. It doesn't matter how big your home is. I don't care if you've got Jordan tennis shoes or if you're wearing a kangaroo tennis shoes. What really matters is are you serving God from here? What's in here? What's in? I don't care if you dance out of your shoes. I don't care if you talk in tongues till you get an accent. What's in here? What's in here? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. What's coming out of you when pressure hits? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. What's coming out of you when the world starts squeezing? You see, David wasn't a man after God's heart because of the good times. He was a man after God's heart because of the bad times. Because when all hell broke loose in David's life, David didn't turn to pagan gods. He always found him his way back to God. I want to tell you something. Life is squeezing right now. Life is choking men right now. Life is, listen to me right now. It hurts right now. Say, Pastor, it's no different now. Yes, it is. Because these men out here right now, they're trying to figure out with the inflation, the raises, uh, all the prices and the fuel prices, the men right now are trying to figure out how are we going to get through this. And the enemy's squeezing on them. And he's pushing down harder on them. And the temptation of a man that's not measured will be, well, uh, maybe, 
Boy, gas sure is expensive right now. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll have to cut out a little bit of giving this month. I mean, we're, we're about to hit double-digit inflation. Gas is going to be about $9 a gallon. Uh, Sunday of sacrifice is just going to have to, I'm, I'm sorry, God, but not a man of God. A man of God says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. A real man takes the Bible, he takes the word of God and he measures it out. Because in the tough times, when the pressing comes, what's in you comes out of you. I said this before COVID hit. Didn't know it then, but it was prophetic. I said it before COVID hit. So there might become a day where they won't let us worship. And whatever you have put in yourself is going to come out of you during COVID. And some people said, and it's sad, some people backslid because of COVID. No, they were already backslid. It just came out of them. Now the enemy's pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm challenging you men. I would like to tell you, hey, it's going to get better next week. We're going to bounce back and everything. I think it's going to get worse. What's in you? What's in you, brethren? Because what God's looking at, he's looking at a David, a man who was flawed, a man who failed God more times than you can count, but a man who turned back and was always willing to stand up beside the plumb line or the measuring line to see what God wanted him to be. I want to close with this. There's four notable things that made, in my opinion, made David a man after God's own heart. You see, David united Israel. Israel was fractured off into different camps and city-states, but when David became king, he sought to unite the nation of Israel. He reigned for 40 years. He expanded the kingdom of Israel. Uh, he, he banished his enemies. He enjoyed the longest streak to that point of peace and prosperity in the nation. So why did God love this young, ruddy-complected young man so much? He had a heart after God. Your text I read that he had a heart after God. And while far from perfect, he had a passion for spiritual things. He had a passion for spiritual things. Dads, listen to me. Your passion can't be worldly things. It's okay to have a hobby. I'm not, I'm not preaching against that. Please understand me. But we have to be spiritually minded. David, read that in Psalms. I don't got time to read it, but Psalms 42 and 1 through 2, do your homework. He was a man that pursued spiritual things. It was evidenced by moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. It was evidenced by building a new tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant. It was evidenced by him putting away the modern equivalent of over $10 billion into a savings account for a temple to be built that his eyes would never see. He was willing to invest in things that he would never touch and he would never see so that God could do greater things in the life of his kids 
I want to tell you something, Dad. You better leave more for your kids than just a house or an insurance policy. But oh, I would that you would leave the echoes of intercessory prayer for your son and your daughter. I would to God you would leave a passion for reaching the lost and giving the missions and loving people. Number two, David was a willing worshiper. David was a willing worshiper. True worship attracts God's attention. Amen. Just like the scent of perfume attracts and lures its lover. 73 psalms are attributed to David who expressed his love for God in music and in songs and appointed singers to worship him continuously in the tabernacle in 1 Chronicles 16 and 4 through 6. In other words, David set his heart that he would worship God at every opportunity he got. I hope that your kids hear you singing the praises of God. I know you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. You may not know a G chord from B flat, but I hope your kids hear you sing about the goodness of God. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God. God, we serve. I hope you love God enough that your children hear you speaking and singing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Oh, lift your hands to the Lord. I feel him in this place. We need some worshiping dads. I said we need some worshiping men that aren't afraid to express their devotion and love to God. Hallelujah. 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 I hope you love God enough that you're not afraid to worship Him. I hope you love God enough that your kids hear you say it. They hear you say, I don't care what songs you sing. Amen, I don't care what, but I hope your kids hear you sing something. I hope they hear you say something. Amen, I, I, I hope they hear you talk about how good God is and sing about it. Amen, I don't care what the song is. Every once in a while, Addie's in the truck with me. It happens quite often. I'll go back and play a bunch of old hymnal songs and I'll sing a bunch of old songs. Why? Because not only do I not want to let go of that heritage, amen, but I love God so much. What was planted in me as a child, I want to be planted in her as a child. We were driving home from camp meeting singing, just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land. You want to know why? Because I want to put something in her heart. I want to put something in her life. Amen. I want my investment in her not to be in money, but it to be in spiritual things. Listen to me. I'm not a perfect man, but I want to be measured to be a real man and I want to tell you something men I want to tell you something dads and future dads real men do cry real men do weep real men do show affection hallelujah 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 he worshiped, he worshiped. It was constantly a fragrance in the nostrils of God, his worship. 
his worship. Amen. We could talk about all David's shortcomings, and he had plenty, but he was a worshiper. He left a legacy of worship in his children, and his children weren't perfect, but he left a legacy of worship. We still read his psalms. We still sing his songs to this day. Amen. Listen to me, Dad. Leave a legacy of worship to your children. Amen. Leave a legacy of worship and praise for your children. Let them hear you sing. Let them hear you hum. Let them hear you worship and praise the God of heaven. It's the measure of a real man. Number three, amen, Brother Matt, if you'll get ready. Number three is David, David demonstrated genuine repentance. One of the hardest things for men to do, Elder, is to repent. I don't know what it is about us. We don't like to admit we're wrong, but not David. When David realized he was wrong and David knew what he did was wrong, amen, couldn't nobody repent like David could repent. Matter of fact, God couldn't stay mad at David for long. He should have kicked David out of the, out of the kingdom many times. But David would crawl up, if you would, proverbially in the lap of God, and he would bury his head, and he would weep, and he would cry, and he would pray after he he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered. This broken king penned Psalms chapter 51 and he declared when he wrote it, he said this must be read, this must be sung to the entire nation. It was a song of repentance. It was a song of humility when he cried out for God's forgiveness. Amen. I, I know we're in postmodern church, but I'm going to read to you Psalms 51 because this is a real measure of a man after David was found out in his sin. He didn't blame everybody else. He didn't blame his social status. He didn't blame his dad not hugging him enough. He blamed himself. He said it's me. I messed up. He said have mercy upon me oh God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before thee, against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil thing in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. God, and renew within me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach the transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou desirest not a sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest
it's not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou will not despise. Do good in thy pleasure to Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and with whole burnt offering. Then shall their bullocks be upon thine altar. He repented before the whole nation. And he didn't blame anybody, but he blamed himself. The measure of a real man is a man that's willing to show his children. I can be wrong and I can make it right. And I close with number four. Of the 42 kings who ruled Judea and Israel, he was one of the only ones that never wavered in worshiping God. Almost all the other kings turned to idolatry. Never did an idol enter into his home. Never did he let the God of Dagon, never did he let the heathen gods ever enter into the temple under his leadership. David constantly had the measurement out going, God, I want to be the man that you've called me to be. I want to be the father that you've called me to be. I'm asking every man in this place to stand with me right now. Come on, I want all our men, this our young men, stand with me. All our men, stand. You see, David had to determine in himself, Elder Henderson, there's some things I'm not letting in my home. Some things can't get in my house. Pastor Garza, we can have fun, but there's some things we're just not going to worship in this house. Because if I let that in my home, I'm going to infest my children. I'm talking about the measure. I want every man standing to come join me. I want to, Brother guards, if you'll help me get this out. I want you to come join me right now. I want to give you one of these. Come on, men, young men, fathers, future fathers. Come over on this side over here. It's just symbolic. I pray you never see a measuring tape the same way again. to you for a minute. Some of y'all ain't dads yet. Get a ways to go. 
but what you put in you now will determine the father you're going to be. Pastor Guards, I think you could verify this. If they will start measuring themselves at 15, God's calling a man to be. Listen to me. Don't become a husband once you're married. Start becoming a man of God right now. And when you start becoming the God that the man that God wants you to be right now, you won't have to compromise your values to marry somebody doesn't understand what a man is. Because if you're measuring like this, you don't care how pretty she is, how much money, you don't care about that. You say, oh, does she measure like God measures? Listen to me, men. We're, we're, we're in the midst, we're in the beginning. We're in it, but we're in the beginning of a great harvest right now. And I'm believing, brother, Reuben, that this is going to be a revival of men. A revival of men. And y'all are going to be cru crucially key into this. Because y'all are going to hold this up by your life. And young men are going to come in here and not, they haven't had dads. They don't know how to be a father. But you're going to teach them and instruct them and show them because you're going to lead your home. I'm asking this morning for you men to make a commitment to God right now. So, Pastor, I've made a commitment. Make another one. Rebuild the altars in your home right now. Be that man that God wants you to measure up to. The Bible used a phrase, and I'm, I'm loosely quoting it, said that when Jesus reached the fullness, the stature of a man, even Jesus, when he reached that, then was he successful in ministry. Men, let's measure up to what God's calling us to be. Ladies, listen to me right now. They're not going to be perfect. They're still going to be men. So don't go home and chastise them when they're not perfect. As a matter of fact, it would do you well to go find out what the Bible calls a man. Because it might shock you that it's not what's on TV. And it might shock you that it's not what's written in those romance novels. Because I promise you this, ladies, if you will support your husband as he builds an altar, you will never want to have a real man in your life because he will always measure himself to the things of God. Men, I want you to lift your hands with me right now. This is your service. This is your service. And I'm asking you to lift your hands this morning. And the first thing I want you to do is ask God for the strength to be what His Word.
I want you to ask God this morning, God, give me the strength to be the man you're calling me to be in my heart. Give me the strength to be the man that you're calling me to be in my city. God, give me the strength and the wisdom to be the dad, to be the husband, to be the leader, to be the worshiper, to be the prayer warrior, to be that faithful servant, God. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be measured against your word. I don't want to be measured against the men of this world and the popularities and the ideas of this world. Lord, I don't care if it's counterculture. I just want to be measured to your word right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost falling right now. Somebody's life is being impacted by God right now. Come on, men. Come on, I challenge you, men. Go ahead and lift that voice. My prayer this morning is that the sanctuary would be filled, amen, with a roar of men lifting their voice unashamed. A roar of men lifting their voice unashamed before the Lord. Say, God, help me be a dad. God, help me be a husband. God, help me be a leader. Help me be the man that you want me to be, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on, First Church, that's powerful. Come on, men, it's starting to flow in this place right now. Come on, men, connect with another man around you right now. Pray with somebody. Lift that voice. Come on, let's make this place roar. Come on, let's give hell a bad day right now. Make this place roar with your prayer. Make this place roar with affection toward the Lord God.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.